0: I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay. Last time, I started talking about Urza saga design, and I didn't finish. So we will continue today. So when last we left off, I was in the bees on cards. I think I left off with Blanchwood Armor. So we get to blasted landscape. So it's a land. You tap to add a colorless, in a cycling too. So for the interesting we made a cycle of lands that were all... Um, they were, they enter the battlefield tap, you tap them for um, a colored mana, so, you know, either a white, uh, there were five different ones, uh, and we made a full cycle, and then we added a colorless. I'm not quite sure why we had the colorless one, since, in, well, I, I see, the, the difference between this one and the other ones is, this one comes into play untapped, that's why, that's why we made this one. Um, So if you need a cycling land, and it's more about just getting more mana, it's not about getting colored mana. The advantage to this one over the other five is that this one doesn't come and play tap. So technically, I guess this isn't part of the cycle, because those all enter the battlefield tap. So this is its own separate card. But it's loosely affiliated. Okay, next, up to C. Catastrophe. So Catastrophe is a sorcery. It costs six mana, two of which have to be white. So four white-white. And it says, destroy all lands and all creatures. So it is Wrath of God and Armageddon all in one. So when Magic first came out in Alpha, uh, there was Wrath of God that was four mana destroy all creatures. And there was Armageddon, which was four mana to destroy all lands. So we decided to mix it together. Um, we don't, it's funny. We don't do a, a nearly as many um, Armageddon effects anymore just because not particularly a fun effect, and we've even shifted a little bit. I mean, I, I guess it's, well, it's in white's color pie, we tend to do it more in red these days than in white. Um, but even then, we don't do it very often. It's pretty infrequent. Uh, we do do Wrath of God effects all the time. Um, but, uh, anyway, this is just, one of the things that's is, is neat when you do design is just to say, hey, here's two things that we've done individually. Hey, can we put them together? You know, and, like, the, the flavor works fine. Like, oh, okay, well, it's it's a catastrophe. It destroys creatures and land, so... Uh, okay, Chimeric Staff. So this is an artifact, costs 4. Uh, you can spend X, uh, and then ar- the artifact creature... It turns into an artifact an XX artifact creature until end of turn. So if you spend 1, uh, chimeric Staff becomes a 1-1 one, one until end of turn. If you spend 8, it becomes an 8-8 eight, eight, eight until end of turn. Um, this card actually saw a bunch of play. Uh, it, the nice thing about it is... Uh, if you put it in something where you have variable amounts of mana, it kind of grows in strength over time. Like, early on, it can be a 2-2 or 3-3, but later in the game, when you have a lot of mana, it can start turning it into an 8-8, a 9-9, a 10-10. Um, but anyway, I, I like, I like America's Staff. I think it's a cool card. Next, Claws of Gix is an artifact that costs zero. You spend one sack of permanent and gain one life. Now, when you first saw this card, if I told you this card would be played in many tournament decks, you might go, Really? Uh, well, a couple things. Turns out, a um, there are decks that just like having zero-drop artifacts, of which this is. Um, and there are decks that need a way to get rid of things, and this card is nice in that it's free and it actually nets you something for getting rid of things, and it's pretty cheap to get rid of things. So, Closet Gix definitely went in. It's more of a combo piece. Uh, the decks that play usually, if someone plays Closet Gix, you're like, oh, you're going to combo me out, aren't you? That, that, that's uh, a sign. It, not really uh, I guess there might be some control decks that use it every once in a while, but it's more of a combo piece than a a control piece and not an aggro piece. I can see a lot of aggro decks using closet gigs. Next, confiscate. For blue-blue, enchant permanent, you gain control of target permanent. Um, So one of the things that you go back to, like, back in 98, when the game was still pretty young, is we could do things that, like... At the time, we'd never made enchant- uh, control enchanted permanent. We'd made control enchanted creature, we had a control enchanted artifact. Um, I think at this point, we had a control enchanted enchantment. Like, we had all the individual pieces. But this is said, you know what? I just can steal anything. Um, and I, luckily, it says permanent, and it doesn't say. Um, back in the day, sometimes we would label that, we'd spell them out. And since we've added, like, planeswalkers, if I have a card that says, hey, I destroy all. Artifact, Creatures, you know, Enchantments, and um, Land, oh, it doesn't affect Planeswalkers. But this one, oh, it does, because it says Permanent. Uh, and the reason it says Permanent is, the, at the time, we didn't say Enchantment Aura. We said Enchant Whatever, and Enchant Permanent just fit on the line. And if you spelled that out, it wouldn't fit on the line. Uh, so the reason this card affects um, Planeswalkers just has to do with needing to fit on the type line. See, there's things people don't think about. That's something, by the way, that comes up all the time. Whenever people ask me questions, the answer is like, oh, it needed to fit on the type line. Somehow people, that's not something people really think about, although obviously we have to think about it. Um, It's funny because there's a lot of functionality when you make cards that are just like, oh, well, we have so much space to write words that, you know, actually matters from time to time. Like there's a lot of times where we have to change something because it doesn't fit on the card type line or doesn't fit in the rules text. Uh, And that's something we deal with all the time. But you know, when you guys see the product, it's done. So it's not something you guys really think about or, or the issue we do. Okay, next. Congregate, three and a white. So four mana total, one of which is white. It's an instant. Target creature gains two life for each creature on the battlefield. Um, so we made this card c- consciously with multiplayer in mind. And it ended up being broken in multiplayer. So this is a good example of early explorations of us trying to do... Um, multiplayer-friendly thing. So this is interesting. We're talking back in 98. So this is us having the first inklings that, hey, not all magic is played with two people. That you know, And so we were trying to make something, as often is the case in the early days, we sort of over shot a little bit. We're like, oh, we'll just do something. It'll make it real grandiose. And what it turns out is when you're playing with a lot of people and there's a lot of creatures in play, for four mana, especially when one cre- one player gains life for all creatures in play, you know, when we've done the effect more recently, it's like, we'll pick a player and he gets two life for every creature he or she has. That player can only count their creatures, not all the creatures in play. Um, but this is a good learning lesson this is definitely us sort of like trying to do something and then realizing that we overshot and, and sort of I mean we're constantly recalibrating uh, understanding multiplayer play has been something that's taken years but it's interesting to go but, hey all the way back to 1998 we were, th- we were thinking about it you know it was something that I mean it was the early days we, you know this was a very raw attempt but it was something we were at least conscious of okay next corrupt uh, so that's five and a black it's a sorcery And you deal X damage to target creature, where X is the number of swamps that you have, and then you get that much life. So you drain a creature equal to the number of swamps you have. Um, So basically, one of the themes of Urza Saga, it was a subtle theme, is we really wanted you to be able to play monocolored decks. And so we put a bunch of cards in there to enable that. Turns out, interestingly, that we pushed hard enough that limited, Urza Saga limited... uh, very much became about a lot of monocolor strategies. In fact, the very best monocolor strategy was mono black. Um, probably the card most guilty was common pestilence, which I'll get to. Uh, but corrupt, which I think was also common, was also. I mean, the thing about corrupt was um, that you could, um, you know, it allowed you to not only kill something but to gain, gain huge amounts of life. So later, later in the game, when you just had a lot of swamps, it allowed you to sort of get rid of the biggest creature and make a huge swing in life. Um, so, like I said, there are, there are a bunch of cards. I mean, uh, Petulance is probably the biggest thing, but I Corrupt added to it, that really made Mono Black a draft strategy in Saga that was, that was super hard to beat. Multiple people in a draft could be Mono Black in Ursa Saga. That's how crazy Mono Black was. Okay, Cradle Guard. Cradle Guard it costs one green green, so three mana, two which are green, for a 4-4 four, four Tree Folk, and it's Trample and Echo. So this is an example of a, of a pretty good, clean Echo card. So the idea is it's a 4-4 four, four Trampler for three mana. I mean, two which are green, but still, three mana, 4-4 four, four Trampler, it's not something you get too often. Uh, and the idea was, okay, I'm, really I'm paying six mana, but I get to pay it over two turns, and so I get to play, play it for three mana and then attack on the second turn. Um, and this is a good example of something you might do on your 3-drop, th- or on the 3-drop I play it. Uh, and then on my 4th turn I have to play the Echo, and I have 1 extra mana. Giant Growth, is something if I need it, but, um... But anyway, so here, here's another good example of an of a, um, Echo card. Crater Hellion. 4 red-red, 6 mana, 2 which are red, 6-6 six, six beast. It has Echo, and when it enters the battlefield you do 4 damage to all creatures. Uh, this was another Echo card that actually saw tournament play, um it sort of, it can wipe the board or wipe most of the board, uh, and uh, you know, it's pretty big. 6-6 six, six is you know, for 6-6 six, six for 6 mana that wipes the board most of the time is pretty good. Okay, next Craze Scourge. 3 in a black. 2-2 two, two, Imp. Uh, it has haste and flying. So when we brought haste to black uh, uh, we first did that in Future site, and then we started making haste secondary in black. Um, a lot of people are like black? Why black? And well, they didn't realize but was... There's actually a the history of haste in black. Um, in fact, the very first creature to ever have haste in alpha was not red. It was black. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It was uh, the guy that popped out of your graveyard and could attack. Um, Netherghoul. Netherghoul? I think that's right. Um, anyway, uh, this, is, this card... When we were thinking about black, I actually, where to put haste, I actually thought about this card, because combining haste and flying is really cool, and red really does not do flying at low rarities, and haste flying is more a limited thing, um, or I mean, it's good and limited, so one of the things of going to black, if I went to green, I just didn't get haste and flying, and black did allow that. Um, essentially, what happened was, we had a choice between going to green or black, uh, I felt like black gave you a little more creature options, just you could do some more things that you couldn't that green could do and um, green and red already overlapping and Trample so we, it's nice to spread out where things overlap okay next Dark Hatchling 4 black black for a 3-3 horror when it enters the battlefield you destroy target non-black creature and it can't regenerate um, well, for a while we called Barry although I think by this point we had stopped using the term berry. Uh, and it, it's a, also, it's a flying creature. So it's a 3-3 flying creature that essentially kills a creature when it enters the battlefield, a non-black creature, when it enters the battlefield. So that was—this um, was a pretty good creature, and it's the kind of thing where uh, if you flicker it, there's tricks you could do with it, so you could reuse it multiple times. Okay, Dark Ritual. So one of the most broken cards—not and not most broken cards, sorry. Urza Saga is full of really broken cards. One of the cards that would later go on to be over the line— Although I guess not the bro- most broken card in this set. But it's a broken set. Uh, it's Dark Ritual. So it's, it's a, at the time it was a mana source. You spend one black mana uh, and then you got three black mana in your mana pool. So it's interesting that Dark Ritual started as an interrupt uh, and then became a mana source and then became an instant. Uh, so it, not a lot of cards have have had three different card types to them. This is one of them. Um, mostly because it got printed for a while. Like It got printed a bunch of different times. Uh, And it happened to live at a time where that effect was three different card types. So, fine trivia question. I don't know if there's another card that also matches that requirement, but for sure Dark Ritual does. Um, It is interesting that as of Urza Saga, we still hadn't figured out how good Dark Ritual was. In fact, I just talked about how good the mono black deck was. Well, another tool you had access to when you drafted was a common Dark Ritual. Uh, Dark Ritual proved to be really good. In fact, there's cards that early on people thought were really powerful, like if not expector. And the answer was, Eh, it wasn't that Hypnotic Spectre was that powerful, because we brought it back. It's not that powerful. It's turn one Hypnotic Spectre is really powerful. And turn one Hypnotic Spectre is not about the Hypnotic Spectre. It's about the Dark Ritual. Um, but anyway, it was here. Um, it, this wasn't the last set to have Dark Ritual. I think Mercadian Masks had Dark Ritual. So um, we weren't, weren't quite done yet <coughs> with uh, Dark Ritual being a thing that, that this magic sets did. Um, but anyway, we, we eventually figured out it was over the line. Disruptive Student, two in a blue, one one wizard tapped a counter target spell unless his casher pays one. My favorite thing about this card, actually, and interesting enough, is is, uh, is this was actually young to fairy, and it's, the disruptive student was to So one of the neat things about um, going back in time uh, was we were able to go back in time where we could see things from a different vantage point, and so one of the things is. Teferi would grow up to be one of the major characters like in the Mirage story and the Time Spiral story but during the Urza Saga story it's at the Talarian Academy and this is at a time of uh, there's a basically what happens when I get to Urza's legacy this is more of Urza's legacy thing but um, the the that we, we, we go to the Tolarian Academy and uh, a horrible thing happens during Ursa's Legacy. I'll wait until Ursa's Legacy to we'll talk about that. Um, but anyway, in Urza's Saga, we're, we're just sort of visiting it to, to set the scene that we're at the Tolarian Academy and we're learning. In fact, there's a card to the Tolarian Academy, as, as people will know. Um, but anyway, this car, this card is, is a limited card, but it's I just like the fact that, like, hey, we got to meet Teferi, and he's not a, a noble wizard. He's kind of a punk kid that, you know, is being disruptive in school. You know, and so... He's uh, he's, a, he's a troublemaker. Um, I mean, he 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 grows up to uh, to be to be a good wizard, but uh, you know, not everybody was all that well behaved as a kid, and, and that's true for Teferi. Okay, Dragon Blood artifact costs three. For three and tap, you could have put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. Um, I made this card. The interesting thing about this card was, I love plus one plus one counters. I always have, and so I I I don't think up to this point we had made a card that like just put a plus one plus one counter. There was um, Astronaut's Transmogrant that, like, put a counter, but then turned you into an artifact. Like, like, I think this is my just making a clean version. Like, we had had done stuff that had put plus and and counters on things, but nothing that was just simple and clean. And so this is my saying, okay, this just does this. Um, And anyway, I I like this card. It's one of my... uh, Some of my favorite designs from sets are just sort of like the nice, simple, clean version of something we do. Okay, duress. Uh, Sorcery, costs black. You look at an opponent's hand, target opponent, and then you choose a non-creature, non-land card, and then they discard it. So this actually was a, a two-card cycle. Uh, it was with Ostracize, which was the same thing, except it only got creatures. This only got not non-land. Well, neither of them got land. This one only got non-creatures, non-land, non-creatures, and that other one, Ostracize, only got um, uh, only got only got creatures. Didn't get spells. Um, and so it was like one got not-creatures, one got-creatures. Turns out the one that got n- not-creatures was more powerful than the one that got-creatures. Uh, Duress was a staple uh, in tournaments, um, and it is, we've, we've actually done it, I think, we brought it back, uh, I think, once, I think? Um, but anyway, it's, it's a very strong card, and it sees play in all sorts of formats. Eastern Paladin, two black-black, three-three, it's a knight. Um, and black, black, tap, destroy target green creature. So this, here's a, now you can, here's one of the things you can tell, we're back in 1998. This is back in the time where we were a little faster and looser with uh, what we'll call continuity. Um, so the idea was, there was when Alpha came out, there was the Northern Paladin. And then we would later go on to make the Southern Paladin, a mirror of it. But well, we decided well, with the Northern Paladin and the Southern Paladin, we need to have the Eastern and the Western Paladin. So we put that in the set. Um, and really they're just sort of you know, slightly mirrored versions of so the the northern and southern paladin were white, so the eastern and the western paladin were black. Uh, I'm not sure whether this was meant to be a subtle um, a subtle Wizard of Oz reference because the Wizard of Oz, the good um, the witch the good witches are north and south, and the bad witches are east and west. Um, but anyway, the thing about this though is, does this make any sense? Why are there black paladins on on on? Dominaria, and what, what does it mean? It's like, eh, it's cool. <laughs> it definitely was one of those, like, hand-wavy of, like, I don't know what it means, but uh, now we have an Eastern and Western Paladin. Okay, Expunge is an instant. Two in black. Uh, destroy target non-black creature. Can't regenerate. Uh, cycling two. So it's funny. I use this card all the time as an example of a bad cycling card. Um, and people go, why? Why is it a bad cycling card? And the answer is... It's really the kind of card that you almost never want to cycle. It kills a creature, you know. In limited, that's so important. I mean, I, there is times you might cycle it where I'm really land screwed and I need land, and okay, I got to throw whatever I need to get the land. But as a general rule of thumb, what, what makes cycling cards better are cards that sometimes you want and sometimes you don't. And Normally cycling them is like oh well I don't need them I could cycle them but this card you, you so rarely cycled. Um, so I don't I don't like it for that reason and whenever I say this I have people like I cycled it and here's how you cycle it and I'm not saying you never cycle it I mean look if you open if you if you have your opening hand and you just don't start getting land you'll start cycling things because you need the land um, but you're never happy about it you, 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 look if you have multiple cycling cards in your hand the last thing you cycle away is the kill spell. Um, Especially, I mean, it, and it's, uh, it's not even... It's a, it's a pretty cheap kill spell, right? It's three mana, so... Anyway, um, I use it... Expunge is my go-to card of things I don't like about... Cy- or like, poor cycling choices, where the decision of whether to cycle or not is just not an interesting decision. Okay, Fecundity, another card I made. Uh, two in a green, it's an enchantment. Uh, it says, when a creature dies, its controller draws a card. So this is back during the period where we had a lot more global effects... I think our thought at the time was green was the color of global effects. So specifically in green, we tended to do more effects in green be global. Sort of like, hey, I'm green, and I care about the environment, and I affect the environment. Um, what we found out, though, was a lot of just made made it harder for green to play some of these. Fakundity um, of did get played just because the effect is so good. Um, uh, but usually it got played because you were abusing it. It, it, it was sort of what we say, never never played honestly. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to play in a deck where creatures are attacking and when they die I'll we'll draw a card. This is the kind of card I played and I'm going to sacrifice eight creatures and draw all sorts of cards. And um, So this was a fun card, but it, it, it's definitely one of those cards that sort of didn't quite... Um, it was so efficient in where the combos were that it just sort of pushed toward a combo. Speaking of combo, Fluctuator. It's an artifact that costs two... All your cycling costs cost two less. Um, so essentially, what that meant is everything cycled for free because in this set, in this block, all cycling costs were two. Um, that proved to be a little powerful. Um, there already was reasons to play cycling in your, in, you know, in your deck. Cycling was already decent, uh, and this really pushed it over the line. Uh, we ended up having to ban this card because it just made uh, a degenerate. Um, cycling deck. Um, But, anyway, and this is the kind of card that that seems kind of innocent, but it's a good example of the problems of the set is we keep making ways to circumvent mana costs. Like, oh, you can cast those cards for free. Oh, you can activate that for free. Yeah, you don't need to pay for things. Why would that be a problem? The thing we keep forgetting is that mana is like our safety net. It's a thing that guarantees that things don't break. And when we just let people nilly-willy bypass, you know, costs... Uh, it comes back to bite you on the butt, which which this set did in a big way. Okay, next. Gaea's Cradle. Hold on a second. I need a drink. Uh, Gaea's Cradle. It's a land, and it has the ability to tap, add a green mana for each creature you control. So there's a... It's interesting. There's a cycle here in which three of the cards in the cycle are tighter than the other two. So... Um, Talarian Academy, Gaea's Cradle, and Sarah Sanctum all tap for some colored mana, and the amount of mana is based on how much of some card type you have. Um, obviously a creature, uh, Talarian Academy is artifacts, and Sarah sanctum is enchantments. Um, the black and the red one, which I'll, I will get to eventually here, um, we sort of made a land that cared about each of the colors, but because three of them were so tightly cycled, people just ignored the black and red one and said, hey, where's the black and red one? But anyway, Gaze Cradle, another very powerful card. It's all a lot of play. Um, in fact, the only reason people don't think of it as powerful as it, as it really is, I think, is because Tolerian Academy was in the same environment, it kind of got overshadowed. Sorry, I'm yawned you today. Um, it got overshadowed only because, like, well, this card is crazy good, but it's not as crazy, crazy good as Tolerian Academy. Um, mostly because artifacts can cause zero Creatures cost something. So this card can be very good, but it's just slightly worse. Um, but this card saw a lot of play. It was, re- it was really, really good. Um, also, by the way, uh, uh, this whole cycle, they were legendary lands. Um, so that, that became important because the... the Here's how you tell a card was so good, is when people who aren't playing green would run Gaea's Cradle in their sideboard so they could sideboard it in, not because they even needed the mana, not because they not because they were going to play it or anything, just to destroy the opponent's Gaea's Cradle. Because at the time, the rule was, if I played Legendary Permanent and you have the same Legendary Permanent play, both of ours goes away. So the reason you sometimes would play Legendary cards that you expected to see your opponent play was just to get rid of them. Okay, Gilded Drake, one in a blue for a 3-3 Drake, and it's flying. When it enters the battlefield, you can exchange it with any other creature. So the idea is it's a 3-3 flying creature. That's a—it's not—it's not a weak creature. It's not an amazingly strong creature. It's kind of in the middle. So the idea here is if my opponent has something good, I can play this and exchange it. But the thing is i got to give him a 3-3 flyer, so I need to get something really worth it in—, in, 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 in I, I want to get something that's worth the trade. So— I'm oh, sorry there's no reason I'm, I'm, I'm yawning a lot today I'm tired but I'm ever vigilant to drive carefully um so the uh anyway I, I like uh, effects that sort of do exchange stuff um later on in the block we'll get to donate which is with, with, I, like I built a deck early on I, I was a Johnny deck builder and I, I love I love sort of um Swapping things with people, and so I decided to be fun to make a card. We're like, Oh, here's an interesting card. Do you want to swap this card? You know, it's a decent card, so you don't want to swap it for anything. But oh, if your opponent really has some of this problem, some you can make this trade. Okay, next Glorious Anthem one white, white enchantment creatures you control get plus one plus one. So it's interesting that, um, I talked about earlier how green was doing a lot of global effects. Well, we're starting playing around with not everything being a global effect. Uh, in fact, when Magic first came out in Alpha, there was a card called Crusade that gave all white creatures plus one plus one. Now, obviously, if playing Crusade, your deck's all white creatures, but your opponent might also be playing white creatures, and so there was a little bit of a danger. Um, but what we found was, was, we tried a version where well, one of it just affects your stuff, and not just your white stuff; It affects all your stuff. Um, and later, we would have um, a thing called Selecting Eighth Edition, where we let the players pick what card to go in. We would give them two choices. And the choice was between Crusade and Glorious Anthem. And the idea in our minds was Crusade is just a more powerful card. It's just stronger. Um, We assumed they picked Crusade, and we thought that would be a fun way to get Crusade back in the set by letting the audience choose to put it in. And then they went and chose Glorious Anthem, which was a very interesting thing, because it sort of taught us that even though uh, Crusade had more raw power, people just liked Glorious Anthem better. They just preferred to, like, hey, I'd rather my creatures get bigger and not your creatures. Um, it also allows you to play in a deck that wasn't necessarily heavy white, although the white white in the cost did make you play. You have to have at least some commitment to white. Okay, the next card is Goblin Lackey. So Goblin Lackey was a 1-1 one, one, cost, a single red mana It's a goblin, obviously. Uh, and whenever it deals damage to a player, you could put a goblin card from your hand onto the battlefield. Um, this was another really powerful card. Um, the interesting thing is... I, I don't know whether this card exploded until the set that followed this... Oh, no, 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 no. no. This card did do really well. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, uh, goblin decks early on were something silly that sort of just really casual players would play. And we kept just making good Goblin cards to the point where Goblins started becoming a real competitive thing you know, for, for, for stronger, more franchise players, uh, you know, tournament players. So... Um, but anyway, Goblin Lackey... Once, and once again, we just... like. The number of cards that just let you, you know, get around cost. Hey, hey, who cares what the goblin costs? You can play it for free. That's a big theme. For free is a big theme in the set, uh, which one, one of the, the signs that uh, we might have had some problems with it. Okay, next. Oh, speaking of free. Oh, no, wait, wait. Uh, goblin Matrix. I some goblin cards first. Uh, goblin Matrix costs uh, two and a red. It's a one one goblin. And when it enters the battlefield, you get a tutor for any goblin in your deck and put it in your hand. Um, So, go through your library and get a goblin put in your hand. Um, So, you can start seeing all the pieces of the goblin deck come together. Um, It's sort of like, well, I I have a card that lets me play goblins for free. Well, here's a card that lets me go get whatever goblin I want. So, I just get a goblin that's a good enough goblin. I play the matron and go get the goblin, you know, and then um, I play the lackey and I can play it for free. So, anyway, you you can start to see the combos that start forming here on the goblin deck. Uh, Next, goblin offensive. X1RR put X-1-1 Goblin Tokens onto the battlefield. Um, so this was a to- an X-Token Maker. Um, i trying to think whether this was the first X-Token Maker. It might have been, which is a little bit weird, because Red really isn't the token color, per se, although Red does like make goblins. Um, but yeah, once again, another real good example of just another sort of Goblin support card. Um, this card didn't get played in all the Goblin decks, but it got played in some Goblin decks. Um, but anyway, uh, it is just... And another thing, by the way, these days, I really dislike putting colorless mana a lot, uh, next to um, uh, with X spells. Like I, I, I would prefer, almost prefer XRRR, X red, 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 to X1 red, red. Um, I don't know. Th- th- it's just the aesthetic and elegance and that it it does something in me. Okay, and we're talking free. Great whale, 5 blue, blue for a 5-5 five, five whale. When it enters the battlefield, you may untap up to, up to 7 lands. Okay, so this was one of the free cards that actually was not as broken as others. Um, The idea on the free mechanic I explained the other day is that I was trying to sort of see if you could um, play a card in which you didn't lose the mana. Now, the funny thing is you had to have seven mana. You can't... It's it's not free in the sense that I just don't have to spend anything, but it's free in the sense that if I have it, I don't have to spend it. That I get it back. I get paid back for it. Um, And this card was definitely, you know... um, pretty sure this card saw a tournament play, and this is not even not even close to one of the worst of the free mechanic. Um, but anyway, I I thought it was a fun mechanic. I thought it was a neat idea. It ended up being overpowered, but uh, I, I don't. I, I, I still like the free mechanic. I just, you know, like I, the problem with it is, and this is why uh, Eric says it's one of the most, prob- most problematic um, mechanics of all time, is There's not a lot of mechanics that when I make it more expensive at times makes it more powerful. You know, when you can't use the mana cost to adjust power level um, or even worse, when making it expensive actually makes it better. You know, when it, like, it completely subverts how the mana system works, uh, it causes you problems. So the free mechanic did cause all sorts of problems. Okay, next, greater good. Two green green, it's an enchantment. costs four mana, two of which is green. Uh, You can sacrifice a creature, and if you do, you draw cards equal to that creature's power, and then you discard three cards. Um, So really what this card was doing is says, okay, what I want you to do is play four power creatures. With a four power creature and up, um, this card just starts netting you cards. Um, It's still playable with smaller creatures, but um, you're getting for card utility, not card advantage. You're actually losing cards with smaller creatures, um, but this was a very popular card it was played in a lot of casual and it was played and constructed um, I mean it's card drawing but and once again if you notice this, the, the theme will keep hitting again and again getting around costs drawing cards and engines those show up in huge volumes that's one of the reasons it was the combo winter with, with his block because it's not like we made one combo enabling thing we made a whole block of combo enabling things okay next Heat Ray, instant, X and a red, deal X damage to target creature. I like this card, it's clean, um, it, is, it is It is nice. Um, having instant X spells is kind of cool. Um, the one fight we get in this card all the time is people keep wanting to stick this a common because it's pretty straightforward. And my feeling is that um, after years of getting feedback from customer service, I've really learned that. X spells are confusing to newer players and it's not that I don't want X spells I'm just like could we keep them on a common please could we not put them at the plate you know, like part of New World Order saying look we can hide some of the complexity of the game by just being more careful about what we put at common uh, and X spells fall on the camp for me um, but you'll notice we, we often do this at common and the answer is well I don't win all those fights so there are people who disagree with me in R&D so, um, so for all the, those out there listening to disagree with me see you're not alone Okay, next, Hermetic Study. So one in a blue, it's an enchantment, uh, it's an aura. Enchanted creature gains, tap, deal one damage to target creature or player. Yes, it's grafting on the Tim ability or the Prodigal Sorcerer ability. Um, This is something back in the day we were still doing. We eventually moved this out of blue, became a red thing. Um, I mean, the Tim ability became a red thing. Um, But this allows you to put an enchantment on a creature. Um, I will get to the companion piece. uh, Uh, The companion piece comes very, very soon, so we'll get to that in a second. Uh, There's there's the card that comboed with Unlimited. Next, Hidden Spider, green enchantment. Uh, If an opponent plays a creature with flying, this becomes a 3-5 creature with reach. So what the sleeping creatures were was they were enchantments that when a certain condition got met, then they sort of turned into creatures. So the Hidden Spider essentially was like, well, I'm just going to sit and wait, but if you ever play a flyer, ba-boom, here I am. I'm a 3-5 reach creature. Okay. So, um, next, Horseshoe Crab. Two in a blue, one three, it's Crab. And for blue, you can untap it. This was the Hermetic Study card, both in blue, uh, both relatively cheap. In fact, um, if you played Horseshoe Crab on turn three, you could put Hermetic Study on turn four and even had mana to untap it. Although, well, I guess you played turn four, you can't use it yet, but... Um, but anyway, the idea was I put it on, I put Hermetic Study on my Horseshoe Crab, and for every blue mana... Like I got to do one damage for free, and then for every blue mana I got to do an additional damage, uh, and so it, it definitely sort of you know you would put them on and go boop, 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 and just wipe out your opponent's board or wipe out your opponent. It was very good. Uh, okay, so I'll finish off each. So the last card is humble. Humble is one and a white. It's an instant. Target creature loses all abilities and becomes a zero one creature until end of turn. Uh, I made a card called Humility in Tempest. This was. I actually think, by the way, I might have made this card first, uh, and then I couldn't get into set, and then I made Humility, and then I think I went back and made this is what actually happened. Um, Humble's not quite as bad as Humility for rules issues, but it's really close. Uh, apparently, taking away abilities just causes lots of confusion, um, and so this card, like I said, it's not quite as confusing as, as Humility, but pretty close. Um, but anyway, that gets us through H. And luckily, uh, well, we're done for today, because I've just dro- driven up to my daughter's school. So we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So I'll see you guys next time with more Urza Saga.